They say the two most important days in your life are the day you are born and the day you find out why. Well, you, you and I, we were meant to be free. And now God invites you to a soul-shaking, chain-breaking, life-giving adventure with your closest friends. We will share our stories of struggle and bravely explore the uncharted places of our soul. We will do this together and promise one another we won't stop until we are free. Liberation awaits. Today, freedom calls out your name. This is the way, the new way to be free. Hey, welcome to Liquid Church, everyone. Hey, let's give a big welcome to all the campuses who are joining us around New Jersey. Glad you're here, or if you are watching online or podcast. So fun. We're in the series Freeway, which has come at the right time. I know everyone feels a little anxiety over the election. In fact, just to put everyone at ease, turn to your neighbor, let them know you're voting for Trump or Hillary. No, don't do that. Do not do that, okay? Turn to your neighbor, let me know what country you're moving to after the election, right? It's kind of... We've been taking this journey, which is really about six steps towards God's free way of living in Christ. We've gone through awareness and discovery. And then last week, Pastor Nathan did a fantastic job uh, tackling a very tough topic, ownership. That is owning our response to people in situations that cause us pain or disappointment. And together, we learned how to say three very hard words, right? I own it. We admitted we can't control what happens to us, but we can take responsibility for our response. And God says, you know what, important step on the journey to freedom is to own your response, what you do in the wake of hurts, pains, and people who disappoint you, which leads us to really the most important step of all, and that is forgiveness. So we're going to talk about today, this critical step in the journey to freedom. Now, quick show of hands, how many of you would say you got someone in your life to forgive? All right, someone who maybe, uh, oh, wow, okay, ton of hands, yeah. Maybe someone who wounded you, hurt your family, or slighted you, or betrayed, or caused pain. Uh, let's be honest, revenge is a very natural response to that when we're hurt. Everybody pretty much craves payback, but forgiveness is a supernatural act. It does not come naturally. It's a supernatural act of God, and it's the heart of the gospel or the good news of Jesus. When now you think about this, as Christians, one of the things is the central symbol of our faith is the cross of Jesus Christ, and that represents God's appointed means of forgiveness. So 2,000 years ago on the cross, God's son is, he is uh, mocked, he is slandered, he is beaten, he is bloodied, he's pierced and crucified to forgive Tim's sin, to forgive Nathan's sin, to forgive John's sin. And when he looks down on those who are cursing and mocking and even murdering him, he, Jesus prays, he says, Father, what are the words, church? Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And this reveals the heart of God. God's heart is full of forgiveness towards his enemies, towards those who cause him pain, towards people who don't even realize what they've done. The Christian God forgives and when we come to the cross and we receive forgiveness for our sins, oh, it's so liberating, right? Christ's death in our place, we have freedom from guilt and shame, regret for past mistakes, fear about future things where we fail. Because Jesus cancels our debt to God, we are free, free to live in the love of our Father, and we don't have to fear punishment again. But Christianity doesn't end there. That's where most people stop. But Christianity doesn't end there. This is actually where our faith begins. 
Because as forgiven people, God says, hey, you're my child, you're made in my image, now I want you to radically forgive others, your enemies, those who've hurt or wounded you. And Jesus' disciples are like, how do you do that? And he said, well, I'm going to teach you to pray. And you guys know these words. At the center of the Lord's prayer are the words we all know. Forgive us our debts, let's say it together, as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's almost as if divine forgiveness is linked to human forgiveness. The the cross is vertical, our relationship with God, and then it has horizontal implications with others. And this is crucial because, guys, you can't walk with God. You can't say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. If you're happy to, I receive God's forgiveness, but I'm unwilling to extend it to others, you know? What she's done is too bad. You know, she has to pay for it. I could never forgive her. So how do we do this? Like, as you bring to mind people in your life, the names and the faces of people who've hurt you, right? Some intentionally, they knew exactly what they were doing. They were deceitful or disloyal or they lied to your face. Or maybe, you know, unintentionally, they had no sweet clue about the impact they had. How do you truly forgive? Like, instead of holding on to the hurt, how do you let go of the offense and turn it over to God so you can be free? Well, to answer that question, we're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18 today. And you can flip there in your phone or your Bible. We printed it in your notes. This is Jesus teaching his disciples about forgiveness. And I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, starting at verse 21, which says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked him, Sir, how often should I forgive a brother who sins against me? Seven times? Now, understand a little context. Peter asked this question because Jesus has just finished giving instructions about what to do when someone hurts you. And basically, Jesus said, hey, if somebody sins against you, you need to go to them privately one-on-one about it. And if they listen and they apologize, good news, you've restored the relationship. And Peter's like, um, how about repeat offenders, <laughs> right? You got anybody in your life who like kind of consistently steps on your toes, right? They're always rubbing you the wrong way. He's like, how often do I forgive a brother like that? And then he goes, seven times? Understand, Peter is like thinking he's like being way generous. He can't even believe this. Because Jewish tradition said there was a limit to forgiveness three times. But Peter's like, well, I know Jesus. He's like the love and compassion guy. So I'm going to go big, right? I'm going to double. I'm going to more than double. Jesus, how often should we forgive? You know, seven times. And he's like winking at the disciples like, there's seven, you know? And Jesus is like, no, 70 times seven, which would have stunned everyone. The room probably went silent. I mean, you know, Matthew himself is a tax collector, so he's probably doing the math in his head. He's like, you know, uh, 70 times, it's 400, about 490, you know. No, <laughs> what's the point? 70 times seven was Jesus' way of saying forgiveness. What's the limit from God's perspective? There is no limit. Forgiveness is not something you do once or twice or seven or 20 or 70 times. According to Jesus, forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's about living debt-free. Because if you want to live free in a broken world, that means people are going to hurt your feelings. People are going to hurt you by their words. They're going to hurt you by their actions. They're going to step on your toes. They're going to damage relationships. They're going to betray confidences. He's like, you are going to have to learn how to forgive and forgive and forgive again and again and again. 70 times 7. Or as Buzz Lightyear says, to infinity and beyond. Yeah. Jesus is like, Peter, don't bother counting. Forgiveness is a lifestyle, and it does require the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody's probably looking at Jesus, by the way, the way you're looking at me right now. Right? We're like, how is that even possible? 
because we all have a story to tell. You may think it's impossible to forgive your unfaithful husband or wife. You may feel like it's impossible to forgive your parent. Maybe they're dead. They aren't even around anymore. You, You may feel it's impossible to forget what was done to your son or daughter. Or how can you forgive the church leader who took advantage of his position? What about the person who lied to you or the, or the person who then believed the lies and, you know, put it on social media? The list of potential offenses is endless, you know, unloving relatives, former friends who have now become enemies. And most of us live with this, like, gnawing sense of pain and anger towards people who've hurt us. I mean, when you think about people who've hurt you or your family, where do you get the strength to release those relational debts? Well, Jesus tells a little story now to speak to their heart. He says this in verse 23. Follow this story. It's kind of amazing. He says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him how much? $10 million. And he couldn't pay. So the king ordered him sold for the debt, also his wife and children and everything he had. And At this point, by the way, the disciples are probably feeling a little better. They're like, finally, a story that makes sense, right? Bad guy does stupid thing, and he gets punished for it. This guy racks up $10 million of debt. We don't know how. Was it gambling debt? Was it a risky real estate investment? Who knows, right? He owed the king $10 million, and he couldn't pay. So the king ordered him sold for the debt, also his wife and his kids, which is pretty harsh, right? But that was a common practice in the first century. In Jesus' day, there was like no such thing as like chapter 11, okay, You couldn't, like, declare bankruptcy. We'll start over. If you did the crime, your family did the time. They would throw you into debtor's prison, or if the debt was huge, like $10 million, they sold you and your family. You became slaves as punishment. And that was considered justice in Jesus' day. You don't just cancel a debt. Somebody has to pay for it. And, guys, this is the first step to forgiveness. If you're taking notes, Jesus is going to clearly outline three steps to forgiveness that each of us must take if you're going to live debt-free relationally and find freedom for your heart. And the first step is you must recognize the debt. Think of it this way. If you picture your heart as like a bank, right? And every time a friend or family member or somebody you trust, they, they hurt you, they disrespect you, they ignore you, they offend you. It's like they're making withdrawal out of the trust account. You ever have an unauthorized withdrawal out of your ATM? You're like, who took that? You know, they steal part of your trust. And you endure that loss, and it hurts. People react in different ways. Some, some people, you know, they react in anger. They kind of blow up. How could you? I can't believe he would do that. She lied. She knew what she was doing. Other people kind of clam up. They get quiet, or they stay silent because they're afraid, or they don't like conflict, but it's still a loss. And over time, that debt just kind of builds and builds and builds until one day, this, like, normally quiet person, all of a sudden, boom, blows up, goes off like a bomb. Because there's all this anger and fear and suspicion and mistrust built up around the walls of their heart like plaque. And what you experience is reduced trust capacity. That means you may move on from the conflict, but in the future, you always hold back a little bit of your heart relationally each time. So if your last boss, you know, kind of burned you, oh, I'm never going to trust my boss again. Or if the man you love cheats on you, I'm not sure I can trust men again. Or if I do, I'm going to hold back part of my heart so I don't get hurt like that again. And without real trust, there can be no real relationships. So the first step for forgiveness, Jesus says, is to simply recognize 
we all have relational debts, every single person in this room. And some of them, you know, some of them are pretty big. Some of them are $10 million big. Some of you have suffered in big ways. Maybe you grew up in a home where there was abuse, verbal abuse, or physical abuse, sexual abuse. And your trust was betrayed in ways you never deserved. Others of you were hurt by someone who stood at the front of a church like this and said to love, honor, and cherish forever, or at least until someone better comes along. And now you're the jilted spouse left to clean up this mess with your family. Others of us have relational debts with siblings, right? A brother or a sister who, like, we haven't spoken to in years. And now, like, Thanksgiving is coming, we're like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do, right? Or a roommate or a business partner or, or, or someone at work, someone you thought you could trust, but through manipulation, they did what was best for them, and they threw you under the bus, and it was wrong. And now you live with a diminished trust capacity. Every time you're hurt, it adds to the bill. I wonder who that is for you. This week in your groups, you're going to be given a chance to explore that. In your freeway workbook, it includes this exercise that says, draw out the thing you're having a hard time forgiving. And you can sketch or draw it. I drew a poker chip in mine because it represents a painful situation in my life with a, a close friend. The issue was not gambling, okay? But that, that chip for me represents a promise that he made that I took to heart that I felt like he kind of reneged on. And I'm not going to go into detail because it's obviously it's personal and still tender. We're working on it. But I wonder what that is for you, what you will draw. Ask the, the Spirit to really search your heart. Where is there relational debt in your life? Where is there that diminished trust capacity? And the, encouraged, the invitation is really say, you know what? Can I get that out in the open? Because that's the first step. You have to recognize there's a debt that requires forgiveness. And this is really hard for some people, especially those of you who like to stick that kind of stuff under the couch cushion, right? You're like, oh, that painful thing, I put it right there, this on top of it, and I ain't sitting on it right now. That ain't coming up again, right? But you can't forgive a debt that you don't acknowledge. And to forgive someone completely, you actually have to be willing to recognize the debt and bring it out into the light of the gospel. You may have to think back to your past and say, is there a, 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 a person who betrayed my trust then is affecting my trust now. It doesn't mean you go back to your past and now you try to mine up every possible injustice and I'm putting together a hit list and, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. It just means you recognize the relational debt, not to dwell on it, but you're trying to own your response so you can release it to God. Richard Rohr says forgiveness is God's way of transforming our pain so we don't transfer our pain. That is, pass it on to others. Because hurt people hurt people, but forgiven people forgive people. And that's why we have to first recognize the debt, Jesus says, and then release the debt. That's step number two, according to Christ. We cancel the debt and we let it go. In the story, the king confronts the servant, so punishment's underway. But then there's this cry for mercy in verse 26. It says this, but the man fell down before the king, his face in the dust. And he said, oh, sir, be what? Be patient with me and I'll pay it all. Good luck with that, right? <laughs> How much? 10 million bucks. Anyone ever have a million dollar bill? Cell phone bill, anybody? You know? I don't know if you saw this in the news, but I heard about this guy in Oregon who received a $2 million cell phone bill from Verizon. Okay? That is some serious roaming charges, right? We all have found like a mistake for a dollar or two on like a bill for overages, but imagine you hear you owe more than $2 million for an account you had for one month. This is Ken Slusher of Oregon. 
He called Verizon's automated service line, checked his balance, and heard a recorded voice that said, your total debt is now $2,156,593.64. Obviously a, a million-dollar mistake. Verizon did apologize, but the funny part is the first thing they did is say, would you like to be on a payment plan? All right, classic <laughs> phone company. What's the point? Two million or 10 million? It doesn't matter. The guy ain't going to pay the bill. He's broke. He's got a debt he can't get out of. So he falls down before the king. He says, oh, be patient with me, king. How does the king respond? Notice, by the way, if you haven't figured out, the king represents God. Then the king was filled with pity and did what? Say this word. Released him and forgave his debt. Now you're like, okay, now this finally sounds like a Jesus story, okay, right? The man pleads for mercy. The king's filled with pity. Pity is this word that moved for compassion. It's whatever Jesus felt whenever he saw sick or diseased or hurting people. So this king has this benevolent heart, and rather than ruin this guy's life, the king says, I'm going to release your debt. I forgive you. And then, because he's a servant, he keeps him on the payroll. So this is this, like, incredible second-chance story. But this is the hardest step of all. Here's why. Anytime you cancel a debt, someone still has to pay for it, right? So the king says, I'm going to pay the million-dollar debt and take the hit. And he doesn't dish one dime back to the man. Now understand, this is not the normal human response, is it? The normal response is, you hit me, I hit you back. You steal from me, I steal back. The world operates on a principle of revenge. I read a great revenge story this week about a young woman whose bike was stolen. And you might have seen this, it went viral, it was on the Today Show. A few days later, she noticed the exact make and model for sale on Craigslist. And she's like, that looks exactly like my bike. So she pretended to be a customer. The guy said, okay, I'll meet you in a McDonald's parking lot. So she goes there and had a friend parked down the road a few blocks. And so she goes and meets this guy and walks up and she's like, that is it, that's my bike, I can't believe it. And she's like, how does it ride? He goes, oh, I've had it for years, no problems, you know. And she says, okay, can I take it for a little test drive? And he's like, um... Well, just be sure you come right back. Don't go too far. You know, I don't want to lose the bike. And so she got on her bike, starts riding down, goes one block, two blocks, three blocks, and literally she stole her bike back, okay? Here is the picture of her. Look at that smile on her face, all right? That is a smile of revenge, right? We love stories like that. Don't get mad, get even. Something in us craves payback, and if we aren't careful, we nurse that dark impulse in our heart. And eventually it leaks out into our relationships. And that's the problem. Instead of releasing the debt, we, some of us, are still focused, still trying to make them pay. Every time you bring up their mistake, you make them pay. I'm going to make them relive what they did to me. You make them pay. Every time you complain or run her down or gossip about him, you are making them pay. And here's the sad truth. It feels good temporarily, but it never satisfies your soul, does it? See, the problem with revenge is that it leads to bitterness. Bitterness is this twisted desire for vengeance that comes from deep resentment and it is toxic. It eats you up inside and there is no freedom. There is no peace for your heart if you are fixed on payback. And that's why you must release the debt, Jesus says. But what's that look like, to let it go? Well, one thing it means is that you don't wait for an apology to forgive them. Again, if you call to mind the name and the face of the person you need to forgive, you may be here today and you're like, well, you know, I know I'm a Christian, so like I, the Christian thing to do is forgive them, and I will once they apologize, right? 
Once they say they're sorry, and it better be the right kind of apology, like sincere. Look at my eyes, a little tear from the heart, right? What's the problem? They're still controlling you. You're still holding on to the hurt. And the truth is, they may never ask you to forgive them. Nine out of 10 times, people never say they're sorry. They may not even realize what they've done. And so you end up stewing over something that they've forgotten long ago. And it's eating you up inside. You dream of revenge. But revenge is literally like drinking a bottle of poison and hoping the other person drops dead. It's not hurting them. It's hurting you. And so you've got to say, you know what, before anything else, I'm just going to decide right here, right now, I forgive them. They don't even have to apologize. I'm going to forgive them in the heart the way Christ forgave me on the cross. See, Christian forgiveness is different than the world's version of forgiveness. What's the world say? Forgive and what? Forget. But forgiving does not mean forgetting it happened. You may always remember. There may still be scars. There may be consequences. But it means you stop holding on to the hurt and you hand it over to your father to judge. Jesus is our model for this. On the cross, Jesus was punched and pierced. He was beaten. He was bruised. He was insulted and spat upon by his enemies. And then they spread out his hands and his feet plunged nails into his palms. And looking down, here was his prayer. Jesus said, Father, say it together, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Father, let them off the hook. Father, don't punish them. I bless them. I forgive them. I love them. Because a lot of people are, who hurt others aren't even aware of the impact they're having. A lot of times people are responding to the hidden pain in their own life. And they're kind of oblivious to the fact they're causing all this damage to those they love the most. That's not making excuses for them. It's just acknowledging the limitations and blindness caused by sin and living in a fallen world. So how do you forgive someone who's wounded you or wounded somebody you love deeply? And the answer is you go to the cross for help. You look to Jesus and say, Jesus, help me to forgive others as you forgave me. That's what Colossians 3 commands. It says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Easier said than done, right? R.T. Kendall writes that the ultimate proof of total forgiveness is when we, a child of God, sincerely pray and petition our Father to let our enemies off the hook, even if they've hurt people who are close to us. Have you noticed that? Sometimes it's like easier to forgive somebody who hurts you than it's to forgive someone who hurts your family or your child. You know, if, if you, you mess with my kids, all of a sudden, whoosh, I turn into Wolverine, man. I'm like, watch, Rah, right? You hurt my wife, I like take the pastor hat off, let's meet in the parking lot, forget it, man. We're gonna have, we're gonna throw hands, okay? Not really, sort of, not kidding. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? A lot of times it's that, it's, it, it's that instinct. And you might say, well, Tim, if you knew what this person did to my family, we have carried this hurt for years and years, maybe even decades. And it's too big, I could never forgive what they did to us. Granted, you may not have the power to forgive them, but God does. It's precisely why he sent Jesus. First to forgive you and then give you supernatural power to forgive them. And just listen to me carefully. You never know what God will do. When you take the risk to take one step towards forgiveness, you never know what God will do. Just ask Janet and Tatiana. Two amazing young women who attend Liquid Church, Janet and Tatiana, are the unlikeliest of friends. Because years ago, a painful event brought their families together. 
They were not directly involved, but their families were, and they suffered the ripple effects. This is their story of forgiveness and unlikely reconciliation. Thirteen years ago, uh, something unimaginable happened. Um, I received a phone call that um, my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, was hurt in the hospital. There was a big fight outside his fraternity house, and someone had uh, violently hurt him that he ended up with a traumatic brain injury. And didn't know what was gonna happen. My brother was involved in a fight in college. During that time, my brother fought with Janet's husband, and that resulted in her husband being very severely injured and hospitalized to the point where we were told that he might not pull through that. When I got that phone call and went to the hospital, just a lot of emotions and questions came in. Didn't know whether he was gonna live or not. As a result of that fight, one of my brothers was sentenced to five years in prison. One of the most difficult and heart-wrenching experiences of my life. Afterwards, I watched everything around me crumble. My father dealt with his grief and his pain by drinking. My parents' marriage could not survive that, and they were divorced. The last 13 years have been marked with a lot of pain and struggles and frustrations, uh, but God did a miraculous thing and He's made such an amazing recovery. It's been a couple years since I realized who Tatiana was and that she was attending our church. I just wasn't ready at the time to deal with all of that. I did what I do best, shoved it like deep inside the seat cushions, and I uh, thought I'd just move on, so to speak. And after weeks of praying, I decided to just take a leap of faith and um, meet with Tatiana. I got to listen to her perspective and her story. It never felt like we were on opposite sides of a line, but rather it felt like we were so similar. We were connected in this story because we're the affected loved ones. We just really had a genuine moment of just sharing all the different pain that we went through. I just really shared with her that I forgave her brother for what he did to my husband. And I just, at the end of the day, I just needed freedom from all the, the pain I was holding inside. So when I think about what God has done in my life, it just is a big example of His power and His power to redeem all that's happened. And I would tell someone if they feel a prompting in their heart to forgive someone, trust in God to take that first step even though you don't know where that might lead to. But it can do so much for your heart and I think that's a step worth taking. Where there once was confusion and 
craziness and chaos, now there's love and there's freedom. Isn't that beautiful? Can we thank Janet and Tatiana? That's an amazing story. Guys, that's a real life story happening right now at this church in this Freeway series. That's incredible. Janet is a friend. She is one of the most brave people I know. So is Tatiana, just that courage to, to reach out and meet face-to-face after all their families have gone through. Let's be honest here, okay? Most people just quietly slip out the back door of the church, right? They'd go to another campus or at least avoid the person, and that'd be understandable. But these two sisters of Jesus Christ, they said, we're going to take the road less traveled, the path of radical forgiveness. And there has been healing reconciliation, in fact, there's a friendship now forming that wasn't even there to start with, which shows that forgiveness may be hard, it may be risky, it may be messy, but healing is possible. Because you never know how God will work if you have the faith to take the risk to forgive. In fact, in your freeway workbook this week, you're going to be asked, list what might happen if you take the risk to forgive. It could be positive or negative. So I wrote, I was like, okay, positive is, you know, the restored friendship with my friend. Negative, more rejection. Because I felt rejection, I was like, it's a risk, right? They don't know how they're going to respond. They may be like, what are you talking about? No thanks, you know? Is it worth the risk? Yes, no, not sure. And I was like, yeah, you know why? I really love him. And so I did this week. I actually reached out and talked to my friend. <laughs> and it was awkward at first, but he was, he was like, I'm so glad we talked. Because he shared his story, and there were some pieces missing that I didn't know about. I shared my story, and he's like, I had no idea. And we embraced at the end. And things are like magically 100%, but my heart is lighter, and so is his. So understand what forgiveness is. It is not excusing or justifying the pain that they caused. It just means you look that relational debt square in the eye and you cancel it. You say, I'm letting this go and I forgive you and I have no ill will and God bless you. God bless you. That is the hardest prayer of all to pray, right? Normally, how do we pray about our enemies? God, would you get them, you know, drop the lightning. But to bless your enemies, wish God's best for them, That's what total forgiveness is. You release the offense and you pray for their blessing. And as, you know, Janet and Tatiana demonstrated, forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. If you're like, well, you know, I'm going to wait because I don't really feel in the forgiving mood. I don't really feel like, you will never forgive then, okay? It is never an act of like, you know, my flesh. It is only when you are surrendered to the Holy Spirit inside of you. And as as your pastor, guys, I pray that nothing similar will ever shatter your family. But with the magnitude of even their plane, think of your own story. Are you nursing a grudge or you're refusing to forgive somebody who's wounded you? I understand your pain may be big, but true forgiveness, it doesn't deny justice. It's an act of faith where you say, I'm actually taking it out of my hands and giving it to God and trusting him to judge. Forgiving now doesn't mean like, oh, now we're going to go on vacation together and everything's magically and we're best friends, okay? but it means you release the bitterness in your heart for what they've done. See, there is a, there's a misconception among Christians, there's a lo- little lie going around, that to forgive somebody means there are no consequences. Like, well, but Tim, if I let them off the hook, they could just hurt, they'll just hurt me again. Nothing could be further from the truth. Forgiving somebody does not mean you become a doormat. There is not a single verse in the Bible where God says, I want you to be a doormat for Jesus, Okay. But wait a minute, it's not a forgiveness, reconciliation. No, forgiveness and reconciliation or trust, two different things. Very important. Let me explain the difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness is instant and comes by grace, but trust takes time and it's earned through action. 
See, forgiveness is a decision. One person can say, I forgive you. and may, that, The other person may be dead. They don't have to be involved. Trust, though, is a longer process. Just like Janet and Tatiana are modeling for us, it takes two people actually being governed by the Holy Spirit to rebuild that trust. Let me give you a practical example for those of you who are worried that like forgiving someone means, well, you'll get hurt all over again. Um, let's say, uh, God forbid, a woman's husband gets drunk and he abuses her, okay? He's an alcoholic. And one night he comes home in a rage and he beats his wife. And so she calls the police. He's arrested as he should be. And the next morning he calls her from jail and he says, I am so sorry. I lost my mind. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? She, what should she do? Should she forgive him? Yeah. As a follower of Christ, she has to forgive him the way that God's forgiven her, which is instantly and unconditionally. She has to forgive him to protect her own heart from bitterness. But now watch. What if he says, okay, thank you, honey. Great. Now, can you come get me so I can come back home? No, 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 no. That's a different matter altogether. That is a question of trust. See, forgiveness is freely offered by grace, but trust is earned by action over time. Do you understand that? Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget what happened. You become this doormat with no boundaries. He has to be held accountable. He has to take steps to change. Because trust is lost a mile at a time, but it's re-earned inch by inch by inch. And in a relationship, you can break trust in an instant, especially where there is abuse or betrayal. And reconciliation doesn't happen overnight. It's a longer process, and it may or may not be in the cards. Forgiveness leads to healing your heart. Trust leads to reconciliation if the Holy Spirit is working in two people's hearts and people are responsive. And again, you don't know. That you just have to leave the outcome in God's hands. But Jesus says you have to understand this because the first step of forgiveness is you recognize the debt. Then you release the debt. And then finally, you must refuse to take revenge. Jesus ends his story with a twist. This is going to blow your mind, okay? Remember the guy who was forgiven 10 million bucks, right, by the king? Apparently, he doesn't quite like learn the lesson of unlimited forgiveness. Watch this. This is how it ends. It says, but when the man left the king, he went to another man who owed him how much? Say this. 2,000 bucks. And what? Grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. Well, the man fell down before him and begged him to give him a little time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it. He, he, he pled. Where have we heard this before? But his creditor wouldn't wait. So we had the man, what, arrested and jailed until the debt would be paid in full. Well, then, Jesus says, the man's friends went to the king and told him what happened. And the king called before him the man he had forgiven, and he said, here are the words you never want to hear from Jesus. You evil-hearted wretch. Here I forgave you all that your menace debt just because you asked me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on others just as I had mercy on you? What's Jesus' point? The only way to forgive others is to remember the extravagant forgiveness God has given you. Incredibly, the guy who was forgiven a fortune, 10 million bucks, he flies off the handle and starts choking a guy by the throat who owes him what? 2,000 bucks. Millions versus thousands. Guys, that's what our debt to God is in comparison to others' debt to us. So understand this, no one will ever owe you more than you owe God. On the cross, Jesus Christ took every single one of your sins, all of your failures, all of your lies, all of your lusts, all your betrayals, and he was innocent. Jesus deserved none of it. 
but he absorbed all of God's wrath in your place to set you free, to pay your debt to God. So when you and I like refuse to have mercy on those who've wronged us, how does God feel about that? Well, God feels the same way you and I feel about this evil-hearted wretch. Like, what an ungrateful tool. You mean, I just forgave millions and you can't let go a couple thousand? Jesus closes his story with these haunting words. This is a terrible verse. Do not memorize this verse. Then the angry king sent the man to the torture chamber until he had paid every last penny due. So shall my heavenly father do to you if what? Say it together. If you refuse to truly forgive your brothers. Guys, these are some of the most uncomfortable words in all of scripture. Jesus' story ends with this guy being tortured to repay millions because he refused to forgive thousands. And don't miss it. It was not his debt to God that sent him there. It was his hard, unforgiving heart towards others. He refused to live debt-free, and he wound up in prison. Remember Peter's original question, Jesus, how do I forgive over and over again? Jesus is like, considering how much you've been forgiven, how can you not? God's called you, called me to live debt-free. That's actually how you know if salvation is real. Because if, God's, if his forgiveness has taken root in your heart, and you've really been set free by Christ, you'll be able to forgive and release others in his power and name. Amen? Amen. Guys, this world operates on revenge. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. We watch that play out in the news and our politics night after night. But the kingdom of Christ is the exact opposite. Those with strength and power, they don't use it to get even. They use it to give grace and mercy. And they refuse to take revenge. And they pursue reconciliation like Janet and Tatiana did. Guys, that's the free way to live. As a child of God, you are paying forward the love that, of Christ that you've received rather than paying back the injuries you've received from others. You say, Jesus, would you transform my pain so I don't transfer it to others? Are you ready for your heart to be free? This is a moment for some of you because you've struggled with bitterness or resentment and forgiveness is your next step this week. I want you to challenge you to take your group homework very seriously. There's gonna be a chance for you to actually write a letter to the person you're forgiving. I highly recommend this exercise. I did it myself. I, I took some time just kind of meditating on Matthew 18 and I prayed for my friend. I'm like, Father, you know, forgive him. And then I actually wrote a, a letter to him, not accusatory or blaming, but just sharing my experience and feelings and letting him know I love him. And I said, you know what? I own my part in the conflict that we had because I played a part. And so I asked his forgiveness for that. And then I let him know. I said, you, you don't owe me anything. And I want you to know, I, would, I pray that God will bless you and it will restore our friendship. And that's a letter that I'm actually debating, like whether, do I actually send this letter? Because you, the person may be dead. You, to, to forgive somebody, they don't have to like, you don't actually have to see them. It's a forgiveness in your heart, setting you free. This is for you, your heart. This is for your soul. So whether or not you're like, I don't know if I'd send them a letter, write it anyway. On the journey to freedom, you can still forgive them in your heart and set the prisoner free. As Dr. Lewis Smedes famously wrote in his excellent book, Forgive and Forget, Healing the Hurts We Don't Deserve. He said, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. So trust God to take a risk this week. Come to the cross of Jesus with your heart. Look at Jesus. Look at the exorbitant price he paid to cancel your debt to God because of his sacrifice 
you are free. Amen? You are free to live in the Father's love. You are free to draw on the Spirit's power. And you are free to forgive others in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads for prayer. We want to do that right now. We want to have a moment of forgiveness where we invite God to forgive our sins. And then in our hearts, we're going to forgive others. So right now, if you're here today, all heads bowed, and you'd say, you know what, Tim, that's me. I have someone to forgive. There are things that happened to me or my family, and I've been hurt. And as you were talking, God, you know, there was a name that came right to mind. There was a face that came right to mind, and I need to forgive. I want to pray for you right now. So right where you are, if you have somebody to forgive, would you just raise your hand right now so I can pray for you? Just raise your hand. Put them on up. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a supernatural strength to take a step towards forgiveness. This is a big moment for some of you. You may have struggled, and this is your moment to leave here free. And I'm just aware even right now, there, maybe there are some people here and you feel like, I could never forgive them. I've tried. <laughs> but it's like I, I've hit a wall and something's blocking me. Here's the truth. You can't give others what you haven't received yourself. And so the first step in forgiving the sins of others is to receive God's forgiveness for your sins. If you're here today, you haven't asked Christ to forgive you, this is your chance to do that. You can pray with me. Again, all heads bowed. And let's just pray this out loud so that nobody feels awkward. We're just in it together. Let's pray this out loud. Father, forgive me. Thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, you didn't deserve to die. But I believe you were the sacrifice for my sin. Forgive me. I believe you were raised from the dead. Now raise me to new life. God, I receive your forgiveness. Now give me your power to forgive. Father God, right now, we are just offering our heart completely open to you. Jesus, we surrender our life. Come and invade every part. I'm going to ask you with your head bowed that you just bring to mind that name or that face of that person you need to forgive right now. And you need to say their name out loud, but I'd, I'd ask you to actually say it silently in your heart and you just, you just pray after me. Father, right here, right now, I forgive. Say their name in your heart. In Jesus' name, I forgive as you have forgiven me. I release my bitterness. Holy Spirit, heal my hurts. Flood me with your mercy. I ask for the Holy Spirit's power not to take revenge, but to overcome evil with good. God, there is no way we can do this on our own. We need your power to do this. So, Father, right now, would you flood this room and help your children forgive as you have forgiven us so that we all can be free. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, amen.